faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. Today's Thursday, May 6th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros and coming up on the podcast today, LifeSite News, a Christian conservative site permanently banned from Facebook. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signs an election integrity bill. And the National Day of Prayer is today. Biden's proclamation notably has something missing from it. And Georgia police officer posts an emotional PSA about anti-police attacks. We will have all those stories and more coming up uh, on the podcast today with Trey Gons Phillips from Faithwire.com. Trey, how are you on this Thursday, sir? I am good, and I feel like we've—I've uh, just journeyed through being being sick with, with everybody, <laughs> and I think I am finally on the other end of this and good. feeling pretty feeling pretty good. So it's—it's it's a good Thursday, and it's nice weather outside. It's in yes. the like, upper sixties, low seventies here. Uh, yeah, so. the sun's out here for once in um, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. We've had a lot of it's been very Seattle-ish uh, here. Yeah. Uh, over the past uh, few weeks. So uh, good to see some sunshine. And uh, before we get started, Trey, I just got to say, I just before we went on here, uh, I saw a video from Tiger Woods. He created something that I've wanted to create for the longest time, which is like a realistic mini golf course that's more sort of real golf with a restaurant around and everything. How did I not know these things exist? It's the, I think I might move. I, this, this is it. I mean, we've got yeah. DeSantis doing all the things he's doing. And uh, with Florida, you know, people opening up and everything else. And now Tiger Woods has this amazing mini golf thing uh, called, what was it, Pop? Was Pop it? Stroke. Pop Stroke is yeah. a weird name. But nevertheless, <laughs> uh, one of the coolest things I've seen. So I think I might be yeah. on my way to Florida soon. I don't know. Just saying. I know. So uh, my thing is I really like the seasons. And Florida doesn't have four no, seasons. That's true. You know, and so I, that's my that's, only the only thing that doesn't really sit well with me. But other than that, it's like it seems like Florida is just calling. Yeah, that's true. And actually, my wife and I, we lived early on in our time uh, as a married couple, lived in Florida and Tampa. And we noticed that coming from the Northeast. And then we'll get to the story, I promise. Um, but it was sunny so many days. Yeah. that you would feel bad for sitting inside. Like, you, you know, yeah. you know, up north, you get a rainy day. You're like, ah, rainy day, I'm going to sit inside and read a book or, you know, watch a show or something like that. In Florida, you don't get that. In Florida, you're looking out and going, wow, it's perfect again. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, I got to go outside. It's summer and then hotter summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. That is pretty much it. So, but, uh, but a great place nonetheless. Yeah. So, all right, let's, uh, let's head on in. To uh, story number one, uh, a day after Facebook's new oversight board upheld Trump's suspension, uh, pro-life faith site LifeSite News was permanently banned from the platform for allegedly violating policies related to COVID-19. Uh, this according to ultra-progressive site RNS. Um, LifeSite News marketing director Rebecca Roberts, who framed Facebook's decision as, quote, another case of big tech silencing free speech on their platform, uh, had in, in a statement released uh, by by the site. Uh, Facebook replied by saying, we've removed this page for repeatedly violating COVID-19 policies. Uh, Facebook allegedly told LifeSite that an article from April 9th titled, COVID vaccines can be deadly for some, uh, as just an example of the type of content that had been flagged over the past uh, few weeks that led to ultimately the ban. Uh, LifeSite News had also previously was banned from YouTube recently. 
And uh, Facebook has come under a little bit of scrutiny here for its uh, decision on Trump this week uh, and its oversight board, which has several anti-Trump members sitting on it. Uh, this was an interesting fact that came out today. Uh, one of the one of the people on the board is named Nihat Nyat. I don't know how to say that. Nihat Dad. Um, I don't know where she's mm. from, but weird name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, uh, they tweeted just before the 2016 election that God forbid if Trump becomes president, this will be my last visit to the U.S. Uh, Nicholas Suzor, another person on this uh, board, posted, I love this in response to an article comparing Trump to Hitler. Another board member, uh, Tawakoi Carmen, previously bashed Trump in a Spanish newsletter saying, Unfortunately, I don't trust Trump because I generally don't trust racist people. These are all, this is the people on this board of directors here. Uh, another one is a program manager for George Soros's Open Society Foundations. Uh, Jamal Green is a Columbia law professor who served as an aide to Kamala Harris when she was senator. And um, Helen, I guess Helen Thorning Schmidt is a socialist former prime minister of Denmark. So that's the kind of stuff you got on the the Facebook oversight board there. So uh, just to get a flavor of who's making these decisions. So what has the yeah. left been saying about this oversight? Well, the left's been agreeing with this kind of censorship, calling for more of it, uh, which is convenient for them because they have happen to have control over many of the fact-checking uh, sites and the social media platforms themselves. So what's the right saying? Generally opposed to these sorts of restrictions, promoting free speech. But there's also, you know, kind of competing narratives among the right because... Some are calling for action to be taken against Facebook and against these publications. But at the same time, many conservatives say private companies should have the right to ban whoever they want to. So kind of a which is it here? Do you want some big government action right. against Facebook or do you want them to be free to do things that you may disagree with, but that they should have the freedom to do as a, as a private uh, business? So uh, why, why does this all matter? Well, it matters, Trey, I think, because we got to be aware of how we're being manipulated by social media giants. We talked about. Uh, the social dilemma that's that's on uh, I think Netflix, yeah. And you know, again, private companies they can set up these community standards and make decisions however they see fit. I mean, they can do that, but it's also incumbent upon us as Christians to sort of know know what that means. You know, if they come up with a ridiculous set of arbitrary rules, you know, we could be annoyed about it, but knowingly challenging them and posting content that you that, that you know that doesn't fit into their rules is going to get you banned. You know, and sometimes they go overboard with it. We've documented that, but other times it's just, you know, you get these warnings and it's, it's their it's their playground. You got to play by their rules, as frustrating as that may be. Uh, the flip side of that coin is just, of course, just going along with their rules then plays into their hands as well, because then certain messaging is just not allowed on the platform and won't be out there if, if nobody, you know, challenges certain certain things. So. So for Christians, you know, I think we just got to assume, you know, the, yeah. the natural implication here is that it's only a matter of time before biblical values are sort of deemed going against the community standards. And so, hmm. um, you know, so I think one of the takeaways for me is that's 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 why we, it's important for Christians not to, just to complain about these things. Yeah. Um, but start building things, build our own infrastructures, you know, our own social media platforms, our own Internet servers, our own you know, media outlets, because secular progressives have played their hands and they're, they're not going to allow speech they don't like. They've just showed that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the last thing I'll say on this is just that's why it's important to directly support places like CBN. You know, click all the articles that you can read. Be, <laughs> be intentional about it. Download the app. 
get the newsletters, you know, get all of that stuff. Because if you rely on social media giants and their algorithms to feed you information, you're only going to get what they want you to see. Um, yeah. And we've seen that proven out time and time again. So you, it's up to you, honestly, to it, it does matter, you know, to get there and go to these sites directly, the ones that you trust and uh, support them. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to and have, have seen several conservatives or Christians uh, who are raising concerns about the way these social media platforms monitor things. And they yeah. haven't said that it's bad for them to have community guidelines. I don't think anybody thinks that's a, a bad idea yeah. uh, for them to have standards they put in place. The problem is from, from people I've talked to is these standards presuppose a view, right? They like, they, they inherently have a view inside them. Like for instance, the transgender issue, like they'll say, well, the, the community standard is you can't dead name a person who has changed their gender by dead name. I mean, like you can't, if someone is a male at birth and then they decide to identify as female and go by a different name, dead naming them would be referring to them as their previous name right uh so their the standards presuppose like an acceptance of transgenderism uh, so then one person in particular i've talked to has said well then that means i can't really have a conversation uh but he said i, I never intentionally dead name somebody but i can't have a conversation uh, about transgender issues yeah. because it says even raising the questions or asking <laughs> the questions or yeah. in, entering into the dialogue is a violation of the community yeah. standards. So it's like it, it's it's not that I'm that I intentionally flout the rules. It's that the rules make it to where I cannot even yeah. uh, push back against or dissent from the idea of transgenderism. Yeah. So uh, I think that's the issue that a lot of people have. It's not that the rules exist. It's that the rules are framed in a way that the opinion that they're already yeah. editorialized. Yes, exactly. And they're and they're also very vague as well. So they can kind of just they cast this wide net and then make decisions based on it. And again, this is why I think, look, the algorithms, as it says, and it clearly lays out in, in the social dilemma, they're designed to keep you online. And so that's yeah. what they're made to do. And they don't even know fully how it works. They've unleashed this beast that grows and gets intelligent over time. And uh, in regards to you as a specific user, and it's just, it's only goal is to get you to keep clicking. And so then you have this, that set up. And then later on comes, oh no, we've got this huge social media outlet now that's, you know, doing all this stuff and the algorithms are going and you know, now we have a responsibility and they're feeling pressure from all these interest groups that are yelling at them. Yeah, and so I think exactly. that now they're coming in after the fact and trying to implement, you know, things that make it a better experience for everyone. When in reality, I mean, I just think allowing these algorithms to dictate what we see, you really should go to war against the algorithm is what you should do. And uh, maybe not be on some of these sites at all. You know, I've, I've definitely cut back a lot of my time and uh, on social media and, um, you know, yeah. knowing that, that these algorithms, you know, can be manipulated, but are also just designed with one thing in mind. And, um, yeah, and that's all they really care about in the end. And really the, the rest of it is all just kind of trying to appease the, the yeah. angry activists, uh, so that they don't get in trouble. 
Well, it's like that. I cannot remember the guy's name, but one of the people on the Social Dilemma uh, documentary on Netflix was saying, like, never click on the the featured video or the recommended video. He's like, don't do that because that just gives the algorithm more information. He said, search your own content. (laughs) Like, look, even if it's a video you want to watch, don't click on it because it was recommended. Put it in the search bar yourself. It's it's trying to learn about it. Yeah. yeah, so he was just saying it's it's just a way. Not that not that the, the algorithms are by default nefarious, but there's no reason for the algorithm for these platforms to know all of your interests. Like they they don't need to know all of this about right. you. Yeah, and no. uh, that it is really creepy. If you've ever watched those, <laughs> I don't know. Is this the same for you, Trey? I need to know this. Whenever they put in a a suggested video. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, I am very interested in it. I find myself going, oh, yeah, I would click that. And I and I stop myself for the exact reason you just said. I don't want I know they're trying to learn about me. And so I don't. (laughs) But I'm. it's creepy. They always pick one that I actually am interested in. It's I mean, sometimes it's off base, but a lot of times it's like spot on. And I'm like, wow, that is really creepy. This thing is smart. Yeah, that's for certain happened to me on on many occasions on Facebook, which I mean, maybe it's because my interests are so easy on Facebook. Like you give me a good animal <laughs> video and I'll watch it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. They, they do a lot of sports videos, but they're always <laughs> ones that I'm not right. Like it's just like, wow, you know, Miles Bridges dunked in someone's face. And I'm like, I don't really care about Miles Bridges. I mean, I mean, he's yeah. like a nice guy, but, you know, and he's and he can dunk. But like, why would I watch this video? But they they always get one in there. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that would be a good one to see, you know. And I'm yeah. and there you go. I'm off and running. So yeah, crazy. All right. What a world. Yeah. All right, story number two. <laughs> uh, so this morning, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, who has has praised the 2020 election, has said that it was you know a valid election, whatever. Uh, he signed a new uh, bill though. Uh, just to bolster election integrity in his own state. Uh, So here's a little bit of what the the bill does. Uh, It blocks state agencies from sending vote-by-mail ballots indiscriminately to people who didn't request one. Uh, Instead, in order to get an absentee ballot, like we had before 2020, uh, you have to request one, and one will be sent to you, and then you mail it back. Uh, It also bans ballot harvesting, which is like a third party coming in to collect a whole bunch of ballots uh, after, you know, coaxing people into or convincing people to vote uh, and then turning them into election officials in bulk. Uh, the legislation also places restrictions on ballot drop boxes. Uh, now they can only be open during normal voting hours and have to be supervised by somebody, uh, some sort of election official, uh, rather than being accessible at all hours. Uh, it also enforces voter ID laws requiring voters who are re- registering to vote uh, to either provide a driver's license number and identification number if they don't have a driver's license or the last four digits of their social security number. Uh, and then voters who request absentee ballots will have to apply for that ballot uh, each year uh, rather than every two general election cycles uh, as it had been in the past. Uh, It also blocks the use of private funds for election-related expenses like outside groups uh, that say that their goal is only to increase voter turnout, but some, uh, particularly conservatives, have accused of targeting Democratic areas and demographics just to get the blue vote out, but not necessarily uh, doing the same in red or purple districts. Uh, So, interestingly, DeSantis banned all press uh, except for Fox News from appearing at the signing of the bill uh, Thursday morning, and he told the outlet that the new bill ensures Floridians um, will, that their, their votes will count uh, and that they will be cast with integrity and transparency, uh, is what he said. So what's the left saying? Well, Democrats 
who are generally pushing for looser voter ID laws and a greater number of vote by mail ballots since uh, the 2020 election, uh, have condemned these measures and have suggested that they're akin to voter suppression and are intentionally restrictive. And leftist organizations in Florida actually filed a lawsuit against the bill this morning, right after DeSantis signed it. Uh, in the court claim, they said uh, the, the legislation is crafted to and will operate to make it more difficult for certain types of voters to participate in the state's elections, including those voters who generally wish who generally wish to vote with vote by mail ballots and voters who have historically had to overcome substantial hurdles to reach the ballot box, such as Florida senior voters, youngest voters and minority voters. So what's the right saying? Well, Conservatives have praised these kinds of bills, arguing that they shore up our election systems and make it more difficult to question the integrity of the process. Jessica Anderson of Heritage Action praised DeSantis for signing the bill. Uh, she called it strong uh, and said that it will ensure it remains easy uh, to vote and hard to cheat in Florida elections. Uh, so why does it matter? We There have been a lot of questions about voter integrity over the last two cycles. A lot of the media attention, obviously, you know, for all the the obvious reasons, have been on 2020. Uh, but there was plenty of of questioning uh, about the election back in 2016 too. Uh, Hillary Clinton has repeatedly su suggested that Trump was an illegitimate president. Uh, Democrats uh, said that it was tilted due to Russian interference for years. Uh, and then in 2020, obviously, Trump argued that the election was stolen from him by the left. So it's been kind of both sides have been warring with each other uh, over stolen and illegitimate elections. Uh, but it seems like these bills that are verifying, uh, you know, these bills verifying people are who they say they are uh, and close loopholes that would make it easier to make errors. It seems like these can only help uh, to legitimize the election and to eliminate any questions people might have. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like it should be something that we could we could unite on. And like I said, closing closing down those loopholes and making it tougher uh, to make mistakes, whether they're intentional or not. Uh, that should be a win for everybody, but uh, but it's not. <laughs> no, and yeah, it's just so insulting. I think at times that some of the this this conversation has just devolved yeah. into just cheap politics. And um, you know, when when in reality, we should just look at what's going to instill the most voter confidence. And yeah. um, you know, I you know, it just seems like all the things we've had in place for so many years have been fine. The, the, the justification for so many of these new, uh, the mail-in votes and the expanded mail-in votes is because of COVID. And that's right. all lightening up and there really shouldn't be much of an excuse. And you can still do absentee. You can, you, you can still do that and request a ballot. So, uh, and some, and in many places can still do mail-in. So I, you know, it just seems, um, like cheap politics at this point. So, yeah. um, you know, so beware when you're entering that conversation. Make sure you really dive in on the facts before you actually, you know, get in a conversation because it's very, you know, there's going to be a lot of political talking points out there. So, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's head into story number three. It is the National Day of Prayer today, and it's typically the first Thursday in May, and that's today. So, the White House issued a statement actually yesterday. Uh, that said, throughout our history, Americans of many religions and belief systems have turned to prayer for strength, hope, and guidance. Prayer has nourished countless souls and powered, powered moral movements, including essential fights against racial injustice, child labor, and infringement on the rights of disabled Americans. Uh, prayer is also a daily practice for many, whether it is to ask for help, strength, or give thanks over blessings bestowed. Um, 
And uh, they went on to say in the statement, as we continue to confront the crises and challenges of our time from a deadly pandemic to the loss of livelihoods in its wake, to a reckoning on racial justice, to the ex existential threat of climate change, Americans of faith can call upon the power of prayer to provide hope and uplift us for the work ahead. So interestingly, God not mentioned in this entire statement uh, specifically mm -hmm. at all in the proclamation, which uh, it kind of has more of a universalist feel to it um, rather than one of like relying on an actual uh, faith in the creator of the universe. It's more of just a, hey, prayer makes you feel good type type vibe. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are pointing that out. Um, I'll just add too that thank goodness the Declaration of Independence was not written in the woke era. That's all I'm going <laughs> to say. <laughs> uh, so what's the left saying? Well, in addition to the generic references to something that hints at God, you've got secular people like the Freedom From Religion Foundation using this day to kind of take a zinger at prayer. They, they said today, it isn't enough to say no to religion. We have to say yes to good works. While the religious right gets on its knees for National Day of Prayer, we'll be on our feet for Secular Week of Action. That's going on over at Freedom <laughs> From Religion. Um, actor John Delancey, who uh, uh, I guess is famous for Star Trek. I don't know. I never watched Star Trek, but... He said, join me for a good cause, May Day for Humanity, to help food banks and homeless shelters. Uh, as the religious community prays, we'll be taking action. So trying to, I guess the implication here is that religious people don't take action, which is kind of silly because it's been well documented that <laughs> religious organizations are probably among the most charitable of all time. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but what's the right saying? Well, Mr. T said it this way. And by the way, follow Mr. T on, on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, this guy... I who knew he was such a solid Christian, but he's awesome. Uh, so on this, he said, on this National Day of Prayer, I pray that we forgive one another as God has forgiven us, and that we live together in peace. Amen. Ted Cruz said, uh, on this National Day of Prayer, I'm reminded of Philippians four six. I lift up all Americans who are hurting, and I pray that they'd be strengthened. Uh, Dr. Dobson said, the darkness will not prevail, though I fear what may become of this nation. There is one thing I know with great certainty: the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lives. In Him we have placed our hope and trust. So why does it matter? Well. Obviously, it's great that prayer is being recognized, yeah. but but let's not lose sight of what prayer actually is. It's not this chance to promote a political agenda or just feel good about ourselves or you know get all warm and fuzzy inside. We're, we're calling on the God of the universe, the one who created the heaven and earth, the savior of all mankind for help. This, this is not just for our earthly wants, but help in leading lives that better glorify him. And I, you know, I went to, uh, there's a great post on Desiring God that kind of outlined, you know, what do you pray for? Um, and so, uh, I, I loved some of the things they highlighted. I'm going to hit some of them here. Cause you look at, you know, some of the things that were, you know, were mentioned above in the proclamation and that people often pray for, and we all do this to some extent, but you know, here's some, here's some of the things the Bible says we should pray for. I mean, look at the Lord's prayer to begin with. Um, it says, you know, Matthew six, nine, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, then it goes on, lead us not into temptation. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, from Thessalonians, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Um, from Romans 10, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. So praying for salvation. Um, from Ephesians 6, also pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So again, for the word of the gospel going out. 
uh, from Acts. Yeah. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. That's from Acts 4. You know, praying for knowledge of God's will, Colossians 1.9. For a deeper sense of the hope that we have in Christ. That's from Ephesians 1.16. Pray for greater faith, Mark 19, uh, Mark 9. Um, those are just these are just some of the things. Again, that was a that was a great post from uh, Desiring God that went over lots of them. But but if you, you hopefully you're picking up what I'm putting down here, you take a look at take a look at your own prayers and are they reflecting the sorts of things that God wants us to pray for, or are they more focused on earthly or even political desires? So uh, yeah, hopefully and, that was clear there. Yeah, you know I think too it's as a Christians we have to remember that prayer isn't necessarily just. Uh, isn't always an action. Certainly yeah. it is sometimes. Oh, yeah. uh, but yeah. also prayer is just a posture of being, right? Like yeah. in First uh, Thessalonians 5, it's Paul's writing that re- rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Yeah. Like what in, what in the world? What does that mean <laughs> to pray without? So I'm just, all, but that's the point. It's like being in a constant state of prayer. He goes on to say, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for yeah. you. So it's like, if my posture is in the right place, like I'm, I'm looking at it through the lens of God and what his word says, and what he wants for me and, yeah. and his desires for me. It's like, that is an act of prayer. It's like, I'm living a life of prayer. Uh, and, uh, you know, that will reshape the way you see the world and the way you interact with the world. So I think prayer is just like, like you said, and like all those verses show, it's a whole lot more complex than just like, it's not just meditation or something to make you feel yeah. good. Yeah. Certainly it is that, and it does do that, uh, but it's a whole lot more than, than just that. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So, all right. Story number four. So a few days ago, a Georgia police officer posted what's now a viral TikTok video, uh, giving an impassioned speech about all the anti-police rhetoric uh, in mainstream culture today. Uh, He said in the video, his name is Major Kelvin Dingle, he said, I wake up every morning and kiss my family goodbye, knowing that there's a possibility I won't come home. I'm tired if every time I wake up in the morning, there's something polarizing the fact that law enforcement is just not a good thing. All of us are not bad. I am not as they are. Most of us are not. He's obviously referring to the, you know, the bad apples in police. He's saying most of us are not like that at all. He said there are bad people in every career. Uh, I am so tired. I give everything. I'm tired. Uh, So Dingle, he's a retired U.S. Marine who happens to be black. Uh, He actually appeared on Fox News earlier this week and explained the video. He said he made it on his way home from work after he saw people in cars next to him just frowning at him, making faces at him, and even flipping him off. Hmm. He said it wasn't always that way. He said it used to be waves, it used to be smiles, it used to be someone saluting you. The last time I saw a salute... He said, I have a military background. I'm a Marine. That means the world to me. And it's just not happening now. Mm. Uh, so what's the left saying? Well, no honest, well-meaning person, whether you're from the left or right, or, you know, regardless of your politics, wants to see people mistreated or hated. Uh, there are certainly, though, anti-police pushes and efforts uh, coming from some on the left. Uh, it's hard not to look down on police when you are also calling for their, you know, them to be defunded. Yeah. Uh, and you also believe that the entire law enforcement structure is systemically racist and, and, you know, by design oppressive. It's hard to look at people who are in law enforcement uh, with favor when you, when you think these things about them. Hmm. Uh, so what's the right sign? Well, conservatives have refuted calls to defund the police. 
and have defended law enforcement while still uh, calling for reforms where necessary. Senator Tim Scott, like we've talked about before, uh, has done that, arguing that new practices need to be put in place. Uh, better training, um, you know, more accountability, all of that. Uh, while also saying that many, the majority of people in law enforcement are good people doing the best they can to protect their communities, reach out to their communities, and just be servants to the people around them. Yeah. Uh, so why does it matter? I think it matters because we're seeing that this kind of anti-law enforcement messaging has dangerous and real-life consequences. Uh, this week, we have a story on this up at, at faithware.com. A police officer in Nashville was ambushed uh, when he responded to what turned out to be a phony call from a man claiming there was an active shooter situation mm. underway. So when Officer Brian Sherman arrived at the scene uh, where he had been told by the caller that the caller's brother had shot their mom, uh, Sherman was met with gunfire. Mm. Uh as it turned out, no one had been shot. The mother was fine. Uh, the caller's brother and the caller were all fine, completely unwounded. Uh, but the officer was shot in the arm by a 22-year-old suspect uh, who then walked outside into the driveway uh, uh, in front of the house uh, and shot himself and killed himself with a rifle. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, awful, awful story. But the police officer was just clearly, it was intentionally an attack against the police. Uh, thankfully, Officer Sherman is completely fine. He went to the hospital, was treated for uh, the gunshot. But uh, th this rhetoric just can't continue. Even the, the spokesperson for the Nashville Police Department said that these kinds of ambushes and attacks are becoming more and more common uh, as, as the rhetoric ramps yeah. up. And it's like, you know... I, it's not sustainable. And even the, the police officer from Georgia, uh, Officer Dingle, he said the same thing. It's like, this is just, this is not sustainable. And he said the messaging he was asked by by Fox, like, do you think we're just going to have to go get through this and we get over the hump and things will go back to normal? He said, no, things are not going back to normal unless we talk about it. Hmm. We're going to have to acknowledge that this rhetoric is deadly. Yeah. Uh, and until we have a conversation about, you know, appropriate changes in law enforcement while also not villainizing law enforcement until we have both of those conversations, honestly, with one another, uh, yeah. this, this is not going to go away. Yeah. And I think that's uh, part of the problem we're having in society about not being able to have a reasonable conversation on anything. Like, yeah. if, you know, for all these algorithms that are so smart that you know, we talk about, uh, all they end up doing is amplifying the loudest voices. So you won't get right. heard unless you give yourself the craziest or the most out there or the most aggressive opinion. And so that's what we end up seeing. That's what goes viral. And yeah. um, and so th that's what the messaging is. on. You're seeing the most extreme messaging on police. And then that has an impact over time. And uh, again, while people are responsible for their own actions, uh, you know, I strongly believe that. But at the same right. time, if you're sitting there, you're saying all of these things, you're, people are going to feel justified. You know, you're going to you're going to let people say, yeah, well, these police are bad and they are they are out there hunting people and and just shooting unarmed people all the time. So, um, you know, you're giving people, you know, unfortunately, uh, a message that kind of encourages you know, someone who's on the fence or someone who's angry to maybe act out. And uh, it's definitely not healthy. And it would be nice if we could have a conversation based in reality, Yeah. you know, about the police. And we have LeBron James and others tweeting. I mean, I, have you saw the viral video of the woman who got pulled over and she was calling the cop a murderer? Yeah. Um, and the guy was as nice as could be. And just she was she had been like talking on her phone while driving or something, which is, I guess, not allowed where she was. Yeah. And she's berating this officer as a, quote, murderer. And, yeah. and the guy's just like, I mean, what do you even do with that? But, 
you, yeah. can, you can tell where that came from. It's not hard right. to figure out. And they, the, they, on Fox, they actually asked uh, the Georgia police officer, uh, Dingle, about that video. They played it for me. You could tell that he was really, like, he was getting emotional. And he said, unfortunately, that's a whole lot more common mm. than you might think it is. He said, that happens all the time. He said, and, you know, to minority police officers. He said, this is just, that's blatant racism, but it's racism. That's yeah. okay. It's yeah. deemed societally. Okay. Right now. Yeah. Cause she was telling him that, I guess, I guess it was that, off, he that officer. To be was Mex- yeah. He was Hispanic. Yeah. And so she's like calling him Mexicans, anti-Mexican sort of slurs and yeah. saying, you wish you were white and things like that. It was bizarre. Um, so. and so, all right, well, that is, uh, that is all the time we have for today. I think we went a little over a couple minutes there. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Um, we got one more day here Friday before the, before the weekend yes. hits and, uh, before, before yours truly heads out on a vacation <laughs> in an RV, you can be praying for me. I'm going to be in an <laughs> RV for a week with my four children and my family. And, uh, it'll be a great bonding experience, I'm sure, but I've yeah. never driven an RV before. So it'll be I don't a learning know. experience. It'll be you a learning need to experience. watch RV with Robin Williams. <laughs> I will. I will. All right. <laughs> we'll see you back here tomorrow.